Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Everett again jump, Crabtree. Broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. You're very welcome along to the Off The Ball NFL Football Podcast. Um, with us, as ever, are uh, Ian, Sam and Mick. Um, so just before we get going, I want to talk about the extreme heroism stroke stupidity of Joe Flacco. Um, my understanding as uh, somebody who hasn't blown out his ACL, Ian, <laughs> is, is that if you do it, you're supposed to come off the field, you know, treat it gingerly and not rupture the rest of whatever else is in there. You've done this, what, twice now at this point? Uh, well, I, I did the first. The first time I did it, I only did the ACL. The second time I did it, I dislocated the knee, and I did what Flacco did, where he tore his ACL and his MCL. And obviously, I'm not a doctor or a surgeon, but I've spent a lot of time with this stuff. And as far as I know, he he could have done what he did, but he's probably did more damage to his cartilage. So he, he it's brave and all that, but it's probably really stupid. Yeah, it's weird. It's not like their season's on the line or anything. It's like your season's already over. This game doesn't actually matter. In fact, losing it might be better for the franchise in the long run. What are you doing getting off the field? I suppose it was instinct, really. And I, I kind of wonder, was he wearing a brace or something? Because if he was wearing a brace, he probably might not have even realised how bad it was. He might have just felt a lot of pain and then kind of kept going. Because I did walk away from both of mine. I didn't, I didn't have to get carried away or anything, you know, so you can actually function a little bit. Yeah, I do, generally you see people walking away, don't you? These you days? see a lot, yeah. yeah. You see guys who, who wrecked the knee go off and then you see a little sideline clip when they try and run it off and something goes again and they collapse in a heap. Jake Ballard, I think, in the Super Bowl was a big one. I was just watching a Georgia Tech game recently where the exact same thing happened. Guy went off, looked relatively innocuous. Two minutes later, you see a clip in the sideline. He's tried to run it off and just collapsed in a heap. Um, I think it's, it's only when you kind of you put the knee just in that amount of stress where the ACL is supposed to take it and it doesn't that's when they know it's down. But if you don't actually if you don't actually hit it on that particular axis, you can get away with it for a little bit. Well that's that's actually just one of the interesting things I do have from both of mine is for on, on both occasions I spent a year not knowing that my ACL was torn because okay. what happens is you, you can run in straight lines, you can move in straight lines. As soon as you try and turn even slightly, you feel it and your your knee will buckle under you. So it's very easy to kind of not notice it. All right, we should move on because there was. Yeah, a- what a terrible way to start the Thanksgiving <laughs> edition, Jerry. Giving uh, out about a guy who's out for a year. Well, yeah. we can all be thankful that we have intact knees. Yeah, <laughs> three, three sort of the four of us at least. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's give thanks for the uh, Bengals and the Cardinals for putting up an unbelievable game. And I think reaffirming what everybody knows, these two teams are going to be serious contenders for ultimate honours at the end of the season here, Sam. That the, the Bengals responded to last week's defeat really well. They played brilliantly in this game. Not quite well enough, but actually, in the long run, I think that they're not going to be the, the chokers of old. Yeah, I thought they might come back and might win that. I, I thought they had a chance to, to take that game and, and really lay down a marker that it was a fluke. But I think they came close enough that I think you had, the same thing was achieved. They did show people that that game against Houston was 
more of a fluke than the same old Bengals collapsing again down the stretch. So I think this team is for real. It, it does have more flaws than I think it showed earlier in the season. Um, the longer the season goes on, the more of a, a liability Drake Kirkpatrick in particular looks in that secondary. He can just be picked on almost at will. He really isn't playing like a guy that was drafted that high. So I don't think it's, the team is as good as it looked earlier in the season, but I think it's good enough that it's definitely still going to be a serious team to to contend with come playoff football. I love Carson Palmer in that game as well. It was a very Carson Palmer game. It was so he came out, he was fired up, he made a lot of mistakes. Interception, interception. Uh, interception, interse- interception, interception. And then like actually just played the way he's been playing and that, that offense looked really good for the middle two quarters of that game I guess something like that the middle part of the game anyway and then obviously I don't know they, I, I thought they should have put them away a little bit more in the fourth quarter but it was a really really good game and I think just as much as Cincinnati um, proved themselves even in their loss I think that Arizona coming through a tough game like that is actually proved a lot I don't know if um, you know they've done it with Seattle and they've done it with um Cincinnati now in the last couple of days both really good games both really close games both games they could have lost and could have got away from them Ken, I, I, don't know it's the, I don't know if it's a, a real thing or not or if it, just because of how we consume NFL in this part of the world it seems like there's a real obsession with unbeaten seasons and um, that there's pressure then on teams to win games which ultimately really do not matter so the Patriots are experiencing a bit of this but the Panthers will begin to experience it uh, over the next couple of weeks whereas the Cardinals lost a couple of games early in the season and there's no talk about them having an unbeaten season obviously because it doesn't make any sense uh, but it, as a result there's far less pressure on them so they can go out and play with freedom in a game against the Bengals which is actually a huge game whereas I, I think we, we might I just again it's only because it's how we consume it that, that outside exterior pressure weirdly has an impact on these teams yeah, um, well, firstly, I need to thank Carson Palmer for turning that around because he seemed to collapse the week I wrote he was an MVP candidate or an MVP <laughs> leader. Um, no, I, I think that is very much something that we don't really think of over here because we over here, generally, we, we have leagues, like we have the Premiership and I don't, the Hurling and Gaz, like, now that I think of it, but in America, they have the, the separate regular season from the postseason, so they don't really have anything to play for in the regular season except getting to the postseason, and the only thing they have is this undefeated season. And because so few teams have done it, it becomes this big issue over the second half of the season. Uh, you even saw it when the Patriots did it last. The Patriots did it last in 2007, and you saw it with them. They were still a really good team, but there was these games like against the Giants and against the Ravens late in the year where everything tightened up, everything looked a little bit less comfortable than it had for the, for the first 12 or 13 weeks. The other part of that is it might just be a consistency thing where they're, they're tightening up because teams inevitably tighten up at some point during the year. And they've staved it off for that long. And we're kind of on the outside looking in, uh, using it as, as kind of conf- confirming what we suspect or what we what we would uh, experience if we were in those positions. I don't think it's a major issue. I think once they lose or if they even go unbeaten, I don't think it really piles up because the playoffs are kind of a whole new animal. So I, I think the Patriots and the Panthers will be fine. But I, again, I, like you say, the Cardinals might have actually benefited a little bit from it. But I think they benefit now rather than in the playoffs. The uh, Bengals get the Rams at home this weekend. That's uh, the Rams team who couldn't knock off Joe Flacco with one leg, um, couldn't knock off the Ravens without uh, Forsett. And um, any wide receiver who can actually really do anything in, in that game as well. So I don't know if all confidence has drained from the Rams or if this is precisely the type of game against a far superior opponent that we expect them to win, Sam. 
it, it does sort of have that MO all over it. Jeff Fisher has the habit of winning games that he has no business winning and losing almost all other games. His career is almost a bizarre kind of exception to the rule legacy. It's like a decade of Eight how does this guy have a job? Um, but I think the Rams aren't really as talented as they, they showed earlier on. Especially having a quarterback that bad is always going to be an issue longer term over a season. You can get away with it for a couple of games if other things are functioning. But long term, you just can't get by winning games with a guy like that under center. Um, but like you say, they do tend to win games like this. So there's no reason whatsoever they should have any business beating the Bengals. But it wouldn't shock me if they somehow managed to do it. Yeah, it's very interesting to see if the Bengals can just get back to winning ways and, and be that team who are who routinely take care of business. So. You know, we talk about the Bengals and we talk about... Mo- I didn't really watch a lot of that 10-6 Houston game. And I know Houston don't have really a quarterback and all, but their form in the last few weeks is compl- is completely weird compared to what they were. Like, they were losing... I think they conceded 48 points to Atlanta. And, like, since then have been you know, conceding single figures in games. Houston. Yeah, their defense is just completely picked up. I wonder, was it as big a, I don't know, an outlier as we think it was? It was like, oh, Cincinnati went to Monday Night Football and they bottled it and that's the end of their season, you know? Ah, yeah, but I don't... uh, But Houston seemed like they've turned it around. uh, Yeah, and I would say that the Cardinals game disproves that theory. Yeah. That actually they played so well last week. There's also there's also an element to that Texans game that it was the Bengals beating themselves because Tyler Eifert dropped probably more passes in that game than he's dropped all year. So he was getting open. It wasn't like the Texans were shutting him down as, as such. And he's such a big part of their offense, like we saw in Arizona, that if you can stop him or if he's stopping himself, that's a huge benefit for the defense. I, Eifert has more touchdown receptions than four separate teams in the NFL this season. <laughs> I know this because the 49ers are one of them. Um. <laughs> Can we talk about um, Sam's point about Jeff Fisher there briefly? Maybe it's a conversation for another day or a quieter point of the season, but the amount of coaches that just seem to have jobs for life in the NFL and like with various different clubs that are just that just never seem to be good enough. So you got Fisher, you've got you know Wiz and Hunt with uh, just sacked from Tennessee. You, you can see him coming back into the league. Jim Caldwell has been a bad coach as long as I can remember watching. Since whatever he did, the the two and he went from Peyton Manning's Colts to being a brilliant team to bringing them to the worst team in the NFL. Isn't there such just because he lost Peyton Manning? Specific situation though, somewhere like St. Louis, <clears throat> you're trying to take the team out of there. You don't really want the team to be absolutely amazing. You want the team to be able to get some good draft picks, get some good talent, so that when they go somewhere else, they already have a good roster that you're not actually, mm. you know. Would you not rather have a really good up and coming coach that you want to do things with and have a bad roster? a building roster, a young roster, you trade away all your big stars if you're doing that, you know, yeah, and build well, something for the future and, and have have some sort of foundation there rather than this hold-all hold guy who's just going to dare and tick the X's and O's and be a really average football it's, coach. It's worth looking at. I mean, he's, he's I think, 21 years now coaching uh, as a head coach. He has, uh, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six winning seasons in those 21 years, none with the Rams. Uh, the last one was back in 2008 in Tennessee. I think a huge amount of him getting a hu- like an endless run of chances is that he's so ingrained in the fabric of the NFL. He's, I think, one of the head guys in the competition committee. He's just such a, a part of the furniture that it's difficult to just dump a guy like that. You know, you it, it's obviously a lot easier when the guy is winning, but 
it's it's very tough to just completely uh, jettison a guy like that who's so big a part of the league and so big a part of you know the the things that occur every single year, and he's always been there. But when you look at what he's actually achieved, especially you know how long ago the the real success was and how based off specific players it was and what he's done since then, he really it's amazing that he's still kept on there. You just think in a, in, a, in like the biggest sport in America, okay, right? I understand it's an incredibly detailed and complicated game, so not everybody is going to be a top level coach at it, and there's going to be an elite because of just how detailed it is. Yeah, but but I just don't understand exactly. I just don't understand how you've got this merry-go-round of like these same sixty guys are <laughs> just going around as being head coaches or going back to being an offensive or defensive coordinator and then getting a job again. It's actually madness. Yeah. It, it's re- it's just real conservatism. It's people not trying to take a chance. Well, okay. And then someone like Chip Kelly comes well, in, they take say, a chance on him, it doesn't work. So they say, right, we're never taking a chance again. We're going back to Andy Reid next year. Yeah, Keen Schefter is reporting this week that um, both sides of the uh, Chip Kelly Eagles um, love whatever Fair. side of triangle. Fair is better. <laughs> Fair is better. Are tiring of this. Um, and it kind of speaks a little bit to mixed point here that no one really wants the boat to be rocked in any way. I mean, maybe the treatment of Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh getting out of football and also the fact that the team breaks down immediately after he leaves. Uh, like, it's kind of, it's that same thing. Like, there are only, there's only a limited appetite for coaches who don't do what they're told. A lot of what the NFL does in terms of behind the scenes and process and setting teams up is done out of fear rather than ambition. Like you, you see, this is why teams will settle for mediocre quarterbacks and mediocre head coaches. And I found the Chip Kelly thing all year to be bizarre because Chip Kelly was, was praised for being a different guy. And he was kind of, over the first two years, he was really successful doing what he was doing. And then as soon as he started making, or do, making changes that most coaches wouldn't make, we decided that, oh, this year has to be great or, or he's getting fired. And it's constant in the media. It's constant that... Kelly, Kelly has failed, Kelly's a disaster. And then you kind of look up and you go, he's in his third year, his first two years are really good. This year has been a mess and it's, the, the players he's got rid of have mostly been bad. Apparently the one guy who want, he wanted back was Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin's struggling production-wise, but he's still a good player as far as I can tell. So he's kind of the only guy you would hold against him saying that's a really bad player to let go. Obviously some of the moves he's made haven't been good, but just because he's been different, we're trying to rush him out and the Eagles are trying to get rid of him too. And I don't know if they will get rid of him, but just the way the whole thing has been received, the way he has been received, it does speak to that Yeah, please, please be Jeff Fisher attitude that the NFL has. Like, I would really love to see Chip Kelly uh, at the 49ers next season and giving uh, Kaepernick one last go because you kind of feel like this guy has potential. The offensive line that they've given him this year has allowed him to be tossed around like a ragdoll. It's clear that Blaine Gabbard has improved the situation, which is not a very good thing that anybody wants to hear but at the same time you know take a risk it, that looks like that definitely not going to happen but it, you know and not wanting to hijack this always to be a 49ers thing but it it speaks to how the league treats talented outlying fresh thinking and anything a little bit different Sam yeah, sorry, just really, really quick, Sam. If you don't want it to be about the 49ers, look at Washington, you know. Let's not try our best and make RG3 what we need him to be. Let's not give him a chance to be that. Let's throw in a guy like Kirk Cousins, who, if he played for, like, you know, if he plays for the next 10 years, you're never, ever going to win a Super Bowl. No matter how good your team is around them, you're just going to be okay. I think the media has a big role in all this. They, they decide what is against convention and what deserves to be pilloried. And things that get, you know, harangued by the media... 
don't tend to last. You know, once they decided that they didn't really like the way Chip Kelly was doing things, as soon as Chip Kelly stopped winning games, it was going to be really tough for for everybody to to get on board of that and say, you know, it's still going the way we want it. The media doesn't tend to go at guys like Jeff Fisher because there's just not a whole lot to say. He's doing an average job, a below average job, but there's no clangers. There's nothing crazy that he's doing to for the media to go crazy on for, you know, weeks at a time. So he just kind of gets left alone and the team doesn't have any real impetus to, to make a change. Quietly, though, in uh, it's only two weeks, the sample size, but Blaine Gabbard has actually played quite well since coming in. And he was horrendous for the Jacks, for the Jags. Um, but it's worth remembering that he was horrendous coming off the, the lockout time. He was a, a raw prospect, a guy who really probably in years gone by wouldn't have been starting first year anyway. Yeah. Would have been eased into it because it was such a big transition coming from that kind of offense at, at Missouri. Maybe he did. You know, maybe he's a guy that does just need a bit of time sitting down in a, you know, once he's already been written off to actually develop. Yeah, I actually 100% agree with you, to be honest. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of secretly excited about the fact they've got this for nothing and that they don't have to waste the first round pick on, uh, you know, well, maybe waste the first round pick if they get it. If the first or second pick and there's a quarterback as good as Winston or Mariota, take that and let him kind of develop in the background to uh, to Gabbert. But suddenly I'm it's feeling a bit. Kills a jar. It is. Well, they've twelve. <laughs> they've twelve draft picks next year. Like I was just reading the twelve draft picks. You've got to be able to build some kind of a team, right? I mean, come on. Twelve draft picks and two quarterbacks and no starters. <laughs> yeah, Anquan Bolden. It was walking around last week on one leg. And, is, and shouldn't be the main receiver on any NFL team anyway, and is. And he actually was on one leg in that game, and he, they kept having to wheel him out. And we were probably pretty good, was he? I didn't uh, see the second half. I decided Corey Smith has, has made a couple of spectacular catches in consecutive games um, on what are basically back shoulder throws. I'm almost 100% certain that both times they needed to be spectacular simply because he's been in the wrong place at the time. And he's he's just been too late coming out of his break and has had to make a ludicrous one-handed reach back for where he should have been in the first place. Yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's something bubbling up there with this 3-8 and eight team. Um, <laughs> the the other kind of uh, very stitched into the fabric of the NFL person is, is Peyton Manning. And now it really looks like that, that's the end of the Peyton Manning, certainly in the regular season. Brock Osweiler did okay last week. Wasn't spectacular, but they beat the Bears 17-15. They probably deserved to win. And it turned out... Five, six weeks ago, you would have said it's no big deal winning uh, against Chicago in Chicago. But now they've actually turned things around a bit, Sam, and they're a decent side. So this is a good road win for Denver that they really needed to just make sure that the season didn't peter out for them. Yeah, I think Osweiler doesn't need to be great for them. He just needs to be okay. And he's right now he's an upgrade over what Peyton Manning was producing. And he didn't look fantastic, but he looked fine. And with the way that defense is, with the weapons they have, with the, the running game they're able to, to produce, even though that offensive line is still hurting and still a bit of a mess, Osweiler playing like that is perfect for them the rest of the regular season. Um, the problem they're going to have is, you know, how can Peyton Manning come back at all? Is this something that's really going to shut him down for the rest of the year? If it's a case of, yeah, he can come back, but it's only going to happen come playoff football, that's going to become, I think, a really tricky decision because you're potentially going to be throwing out Manning, who is unlikely to be 100%, is going to be coming off six, seven weeks where he's been sat down, hasn't done a thing. 
Um, and you're going to have Osweiler, who's potentially going to play that stretch and actually been okay, but you have no confidence in the ceiling in, that he has or the ability he has to actually win a game for you in the playoffs when everything else isn't going fine. So it's going to end up, I think, being a really, really tough call when, that, when they have to make that. Slightly disagree with you, Jar, about you know them deserving to win that game. I thought Chicago left a lot on the table and and actually had no weapons. So I think if Ashall Jeffrey um, was left off for that game, um, he didn't recover from his injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play today or not. Actually, but they really miss him. I actually think they would have won that game with him. I think they they, they spent a lot of time in the Denver red zone, coming away with nothing. Obviously, got the touchdown at the end. Um, that they missed a two point to to, yeah. to tie the game, but I, I like that's a really good defense against an offense that didn't really have anything going for it except Cutler. You know, like the Denver offense at the moment isn't really offering anything. Yeah, well, they got their run game back, and it uh, turns out that their wide receivers are still able to catch balls if you throw them to them. Yeah, well, Thomas got that you know first play of the game. That's important. Though. Eighty yard touch. It is. I guess not everybody can do that, but I don't know. I I would just. We'll see what happens this week. The Pats aren't yeah, playing well. Say, the Pats aren't playing well at the moment week, either, you know. They, so, yeah. But Sunday night in Denver is the kind of game that gets Bill Belichick's old man juices flowing. That's a, a happy thought for all of us. Um, it is a brilliant <clears throat> slate of games this weekend. Uh, we haven't talked about the reemergence of uh, the Green Bay Packers as a, as a good team. Um, and, I, you know, Eddie Lacy played well in this game. And, and so suddenly... Aaron Rodgers plays well. I wonder, like, are their fates so closely intertwined at this point, Kian, that maybe it's hard to overstate how important that link is? Well, it's just a simple fact that Aaron Rodgers needs some help and some consistency that he can rely on. Eddie Lacy looked a lot better after taking the week off previously, and James Jones was a factor in the offense again. James Jones, uh, I can't remember the exact weeks, but there was a point this season where James Jones had... I think it was six touchdowns and 428 yards through six games. And then three weeks later, he had, or three games later, I think it was four weeks, he had, he was still in the 400s and was still on six, six touchdowns. And that was kind of, that was where their turnaround happened, where they were losing games instead of winning all the time. So it used to be that Rodgers, Lacey, and Nelson were the three pillars of their offense. And now it looks like it's Rodgers, Lacey, and James Jones. And James Jones is obviously a downgrade from Nelson, so they're going to need more from Rodgers and Lacey. And Lacey, if he can continue to play that way for the year, it'll be great. But what he's done to this point, you're, you're going to question that until he does it consistently. The Packers need him to, and against the Bears, it shouldn't be a problem. The Bears' defense is its not really good. It's, it, it's the kind of defense that will beat itself too often. Last week, I thought I was laughing because I knew Peyton would be really pissed off because early in the game, they got that... 48-yard touchdown from Demarius Thomas, and that was a blown coverage from the Bears. And then after that, they got a CJ Anderson converted to turban 12 when they were just trying to give up on the play to punt. So you're, you're thinking Peyton's kind of looking at Osweiler going, he's getting all the breaks against the Bears. But I don't think I don't think you can really expect that against better teams, even though the Packers will benefit from it against the, uh, tonight and Thanksgiving. Yeah. I presume they will anyway. By the time everybody listens to this, uh, the Bears will have beaten the Packers and make you sound a little bit silly there. But don't worry about that. Uh. Everything I said will just be stupid. <laughs> uh, we should talk about the games this weekend. We should obviously. talk about James Jones wearing a hoodie and being the source of all his powers before we go. What's... Uh, we don't. We don't need an answer for that. But I can't. I can't believe that you're allowed to just wear a green hoodie under your jersey. It's cold. 
Of course you are. You're not it's even crazy. you're not even allowed to wear like you know. Honestly, if you have like gold shoelaces, you'll be fined by the NFL. But you can just go out there and wear any old hoodie. Official, official green. Yeah, exactly. Officially <laughs> branded merchandise. So you can buy them in the shop, and that's what everybody's they're, happy with. You can't get those gold laces linemen, in the shop. There are linemen that won't go out in Green Bay wearing sleeves, and uh, James Jones is out there in a full-on hoodie. And it's that's only November. Gonna, that's going to be tough to justify in the locker room. Yeah, well, I guess you go cuts. out and you get 200 yards and two touchdowns or whatever he got well, and you can justify it. And the linemen are suddenly showing up in hoodies. And it's like, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> that's, in, in the America's game, they're going to talk about the day he showed up in the hoodie, <laughs> got the 200 yards and won the Super Bowl for them. Um, the Patriots-Broncos is half one on Sunday night, Monday morning, and the Steelers-Seahawks is the game before that. So this is a good weekend, a good slate of games. The um, They're the... the two late games the Cardinals and 49ers on at the same time which could be reasonable if you want to watch Carson Palmer take apart uh, one of the worst secondaries in football but the Steelers um, the Steelers must really start feeling like they're they're in with it shout, shout here at, at taking the whole thing because there's no brilliant team at the moment there's no team who you would say oh I'm really worried about coming up against Always, you're always going to have that fear of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady but their team is getting diminished week on week uh, uh, Edelman goes down Amandola goes down and then suddenly it's like right who the hell is he going to throw into Aaron Dobson's out this week as well so have five guys marking Gronk and things might be okay yeah and no offensive line well they're, they're coming back but the fact that Nate Solder is out is going to haunt them for the rest of the season like that's the left tackle gone but yeah that like <laughs> talk about Brady just Brady is fast at getting the ball out of his hands anyway but at the moment it's lightning and it, most of the time it's just going onto the ground it's crazy how much pressure he's under but sorry this was about the Steelers Jerry, I think was it I somehow yeah I know it's fine <laughs> so they were the only team that you'd be frightened of um, but that's the whole point of, of parity I, I suspect the Steelers and the Seahawks is a, a good game for Sam to see exactly where these two teams are at the moment because there's a real sense that the Seahawks have come into a bit of form over the last couple of weeks. They they seem to have unearthed an absolutely stunning uh, replacement for Marshawn Lynch, who's going to be out for the next five six weeks, possibly. Yeah, I'm, I, I was amazed by the numbers. Um, Marshawn Lynch's career high in Seattle, in fact, anywhere, is I think it was under 160 yards, 150 something, even including the playoffs and those ridiculous beast mode runs that he's made. Mm. Rawls has already broken through 200. Um, and beaten Lynch's career best twice. It's it's kind of bizarre because Lynch has been fantastic, and that offensive line, which has been terrible all year, actually played pretty well this week, which is, I think, one of the big reasons Rawls went off. Um, but yeah, they certainly seem to have found a guy that can get abnormal production from that line without any issues at the moment, which is huge for them. Uh, the Steelers... This is about as healthy as they can get. You know, they've been banged up all season long, missing Roethlisberger, missing Brian, missing various guys. Um, and they've lost a few guys long-term to IR linemen in particular. But all the guys, essentially, they can get back, they've got back now. So we're going to start to see how good this team can be in January because, you know, there's no reinforcements to come down the line. This is what they're working with. And, you know, as, as much as that Seattle... Um, 12th man thing is beginning to lose a bit of its mystique this season with how the team has been playing. It's still a really tough place to go and play and go and get a win. So I think it's a good kind of barometer for both teams. Um, the Seahawks have got to protect their home field, which they've been doing so well, but against one of the better teams in the league. And the Steelers have got to go and show that they can win in one of the most hostile environments out there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, really looking forward to some of the other stuff this weekend as well. What about you? 
I am looking forward to tonight. I'm looking forward to Dallas and Carolina. I think that's going to be a really good game. Yeah. With uh, um, Romo back, obviously. I th- it's weird that a three and seven going against a ten and zero is potentially the game of the week. But I think the this is a really big three test seven. for. Yeah, the undefeated yeah. three and seven Cowboys, as long as Romo's the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, not, the Cowboys aren't bad though, right? So like, you know, they 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 had a brilliant off season in terms of recruitment, um, and they just were complete assholes about putting their team out and getting a backup quarterback. Uh, and when they have their actual quarterback, they're pretty good. Well, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, like I say, they're they're three and zero when Romo's been the quarterback. So. This is this is an interesting game. I think the Cowboys have a real chance of beating Carolina. They're coming off the short week. You know, Thursday games tend to make things a little bit tricky. It tends to be more of a, a home team advantage there. They've Romo was rusty against Miami and still was good enough to get it done. There were plays in that game where you kind of saw the difference between Romo and a, a Matt Castle or Brandon Whedon. You know, there was one very early in the game, I think like five minutes into it, where he avoided a avoided a safety in the end zone, flicked a left-handed pass to, to Darren McFadden, and they got Amazing. 12 yards out yeah. of that. You're, you're looking at that and you're saying, that's a safety if, if Matt Castle's there. At the very least, it's an incomplete pass and they're punting. And Romo extends the drive and gets them moving. So, yeah, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks how close or how good this Cowboys team is. But ridiculously, at 3-7, and seven, they still have a chance to win that division. And I'm not even sure they need to win tonight to get that done. The, you know, they're only two games out of first place. And I don't think the Giants are necessarily going to go 4-2 to end no. the season to to mean that they need to win out. I think there's a very real chance they can still take that. Yeah, Washington could beat the Giants at home this week. And then suddenly everybody is, if Dallas win, Philadelphia, whatever they do, you're looking at being a game back. And Dallas <laughs> split the series with uh, New York and Philadelphia. They're 500 in the division, so they've got two games with two games against Washington to come, which are really, I think, their only two must-win games. And other than that, like it, it's really a ridiculous scenario how well set up they are in that division. Final quick word about um, offensive rookie of the year. Two two weeks ago, we were going to say Gurley has this because of the historic level of performance over the first four or five games. The rounds fall off a cliff, and James, James. Wins all of a sudden emerges to go. Hang on a second. Uh, it's it's not really all of a sudden. In fairness, he, like he'd no interceptions for about five weeks in a row, and then they've just started to add the touchdowns to it. And maybe in retrospect, James Winston was the steal of the draft. Uh, you know, as the number one pick. Like, um, well, because there was a suggestion after Mariota comes out and torches him for four yeah. touchdowns in the opening game. It's like, oh, look who we got. Five, I think, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Keen, any thoughts on the emergence of Jameis as a superstar? I think he's been good overall for most of the year. I think there's been a lot of overreaction to last week's game because the Eagles look like they've quit on their coach and defensively they were awful. Winston should have had a couple of interceptions in that game. But I, w- I wouldn't fix it too much on the one game. I think overall he's going to be a good quarterback moving forward. I just I find it very hard to argue against Gurley because what he's done and what he's meant to the Rams' offense. The Rams at the moment rank 31st in points per game, 31st in, uh, in yards per game, and 32nd in passing yards per game. Their whole offense is Gurley. And when he doesn't play well, they, they don't play well. And last week you saw the offensive line collapse. In the last couple of weeks, actually, he hasn't really got much help. He hasn't been able to do anything. But what he did in over that short stretch of games to me is still more impressive than what Jameis did or has done over the last couple of weeks. 
I look at Gurley and it actually kind of you think of him as you know you've, I've heard a good few play, people say like he's the best player to come out um, into the NFL as a running back since Peterson since Adrian Peterson and that you know it reminds of him and nobody else since Peterson has had that kind of all round game you look at Adrian Peterson's career and he's never been on a team that you thought was ever going to have a chance of winning the Super Bowl it's very early to say that about Gurley but you look at the Rams the conversation we just had about them the possible move, the fact that they have no quarterback and no sign of a quarterback ever coming to them. You know, I don't know. Like, they've got a good defense, I know, but I yeah. I can't see a world in, when, in which the Rams win the Super Bowl. The LA Rams, Mick, I'm telling yeah. you. I'm all about those LA Rams. Well, I think San Diego might have something to say about the that. The San Diego and the, the LA Chargers versus the LA Rams, that annual derby game, which uh, finally gets bums on seats for one of the two teams. Right, folks, on that note, happy Thanksgiving. You too. There's it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we've got Donnie with us for a version of Mixed Picks that we haven't had in a while. Donnie, you've been phoning this shit in. Yeah, sorry, I've lost interest in this podcast, but maybe this will uh, regenerate some interest. Happy Thanksgiving, Donnie. Yeah. Hey, thanks. What are you giving, yeah. what are you giving thanks for this year? Getting out of news well, talk. Tom, getting out of news talk. Uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, um, being lucky enough to be a Patriots fan. Yes. Uh, the things I give thanks for every year, really. Yeah. Sounds kind of boring to me. But uh, well, anyway. Are you having uh, fake turkey? Corn no, turkey tonight? No, but I am uh, doing a thing called Tom Hanks giving in my house this <laughs> evening where we're watching Tom Hanks movies. The Money right. Pit. Yeah. Big and Castaway. Castaway, ah, it has well, to be Castaway. Well, no, big, big. I'm, I'm that, Wilson's gonna make you cry on Thanksgiving. That's you got terrible. me. You got me a big. You, you're gonna survive with that one. The, uh, yeah. You're not watching Which football. No, no. I'm starting a new tradition in my life. And like, yeah. So anyway, I think it'll be it'll be good. Tom Hanks. He's got. He's such a great American. Um, and his name is sounds like. Thanksgiving if you drop the O and the M from his first name so <laughs> it all makes sense you know yeah it sounds good to me um, I can't find spreads online anywhere for any of this really I've, I'm writing them down for you as we speak yeah okay uh, there Jerry we should talk about fancy first though, oh yeah okay while we're doing this while uh, we're desperate did you have a draw at the weekend Donny yeah I think it was a 52 all draw with Jamesy uh, <laughs> your main competition for the league I thought I was projected around it was Jamesy had a really bad week and I had a, a sort of a normal week for me um, you left Thomas Rawls on the bench with 47 points yeah but I mean yeah I'm not necessarily in this league for winning I'm kind of happy to lose in a way so um, and Rawls I mean that, that makes sense it, it looks stupid at this stage but like there is no guarantee I know I know the Lynch news broke in the middle of <laughs> yeah. the one o'clock games but like I don't know I was I didn't really I didn't really see the urgency about changing him yeah. it's only the San Francisco 49ers well, I mean, who was I had Carlos Williams on the Monday night game. Oh God, I didn't. I honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit tuned out with all that stuff. I'm just, I'm just sort of collecting assets and uh, waiting for next season. So yeah, so you, you, you also put Charkandrick West on the block, and then yeah. he probably got injured. Even well, I've, yeah, I've got his backup now, uh, Spencer Ware. So I'm not too bothered. Ah, oh, but you uh, turned down. You turned down. I presume you turned down a load of offers for that, right? No, your crap offer was the only one I received. And a first round pick. Yeah, your whatever. It's the twelfth pick in the league. What was that this year? Like uh, some bum? Who did you? Who did you pick? Who like, was your uh, first round pick? Bum. I got. Um, I got the Arizona Cardinals running back. 
David, what's his name? Johnson. Yeah. David Johnson. If you, if you and look at what, I got Javorius Buck Allen, who's going to be a lifetime running back bell cow at the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. Yeah. Uh, if you look at what um, Chark Hendrick did the last three weeks before his little hamstring injury, which will be sorted by next week, like he was, I think he was averaging around 17 points a game. So anybody, whoever acquired him would be more or less guaranteed the league. And I still think that's the case. Yeah. Well, he, I, he's day-to-day. What, so what, what would you have taken as a matter of interest? Like, so this is, I, was looking, I was looking for Eddie Lacy. All right. Well, when you open a negotiation, generally you like expect to no. I'll take something else, though. It's like no, yeah. screw you. I'm not interested in dealing with you. So I just I, I no, understood I the, the the way it was going there. It's like Grant, that's yeah. fine. That's fair enough. I'm generally just interested in dealing with you in, in any fantasy sort <laughs> of trade too. capacity. So I mean, I just take I take any offer as some sort of insult, even if it's not. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I to me it just seems sort of like a waste of time. I, I enjoy. I do. I, it might the fact that you were the only person to bother with an offer. I mean, like, you know, there's whatever, 400 euros on the line for this, at least about it to somebody. Um, but, like, I, I think given Chark Hendrick's very stellar performance this year and his value going forward, uh, I think he was worth more than, you know, an unknown sort of a guy. I, I, I'd be looking at some serious – I think there's value there. But anyway – Nobody seems too interested. So, so you said it was ultimately f- ultimately reflect badly on me because I'm stuck with a guy who probably won't play next year. But anyway, <laughs> what got, can you do? Two, two guys who won't play next You've year. You've got yeah. a uh, yeah. You said you had a 52 all draw. Yeah, it's 52, wow. 52. Uh, it was, it, but sort of the frustrations of playing ESPN fantasy scoring, where um, you know, like there's they were they're rounding up around and down. There's a real winner there, like. I, Car, uh, was it Carlos Williams got me one point on uh, Monday night against the Patriots, and I guess that one one extra point got me a draw. Uh, it was I I thought I had a one. James, if you look at some of the output he got from his guys, it was just really terrible. But somehow uh, we finished on fifty two fifty two. I don't know what ramifications that will have for him uh, going forward. I've been sort of the worst team in the league, more or less, from the first week. So I've been sort of hoarding the waiver wire but if you look at I think Anthony Moyles who is still screwed after you after that that Chris Ivory trade I don't know if that's been discussed at length in this podcast uh, and what was, and the you and McKenna he, his team is in free fall I think you managed to lose to him this week oh, God, they're that's... sort of bringing up the rear but my my team I my running backs for next year include Thomas Rawls Charkandrick Latavius Dion Lewis and Carlos Williams. I mean, that's it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, you know? potential. Burn and, the hands. And, and a very strong. You know, I'll be drop. I'll be drafting top three, most likely, most likely one. So the future looks bright for me. I'm just sort of sitting on the sidelines here, and waiting for 2016. Yeah. So to feel free to bench all your starters for against uh, this week against me. I have a much needed win. I had my injuries that I've talked about in this podcast have come back to haunt me so much that I lost. Um, to a 61 points <laughs> 61 points to 59 this week it was the worst scoring week against, I can remember against um, yeah. against Ewan who we mentioned who had like let me go through his team on Thursday night he had um, Kendrick Wright is that his name from the Titans Kendall Kendall Wright zero points he had starting quarterback Peyton Manning 
non-starter, zero points. And he still beat he you. Had, he didn't even bother changing. He had running back on bye week. Um, someone, <laughs> someone on bye week. <laughs> running back. Three players <laughs> got zero points. And, and he, he still beat you. I needed Legarrette Blunt to get seven points for me on uh, uh. on Monday night, and he got five. And I knew I watched. I only had a limited time on Monday morning. I tried to watch the game without finding out the score. I watched the first quarter and the Garfield ran into the line of scrimmage and fell down six times. I was like, he is not getting these points from me, you know. So I've checked the score and realised I lost. But luckily I'm playing Donny this week, so um, it's gonna be all right. the comeback is on. Here, just yeah, briefly on the, on the mixed picks, uh, yeah. you've, you've written them, handwritten them out here. Are these, you've got Detroit versus Philly. Is I've it got Philly? all the home teams are the ones that I've written with the spreads. So the home teams are... So it is Detroit at Philly, No, it's Dallas. Detroit. It's Philly at Detroit. Detroit versus okay. Philadelphia. Yeah. I understand what the yeah. D means. Versus. Yeah, yeah. versus the home yeah. game. You've missed two great, mix, two great weeks of mixed picks there, Donnie. Yeah. I'm 6-0. and oh. oh, right, okay. So obviously the, you're, you're picking after the fact or you're picking on Monday morning because... I, that's mm. not really like your view as a, it's not your picking form well, there my, you, there my you, memories there, are. there's a podcast out there on Thursdays people can check when they were it actually pretty, exists pretty yeah. easy to do to check when it was uploaded but, uh. Mick tried to cheat me out of uh, my um, Dallas Miami pick he was I like, saw that yeah, yeah he was wrong with that one so, yeah, uh, okay. have you picked for us this week Tony? Uh, I can if you if, it, if you'd like I can sure. do three uh, Jerry go on I can go first. So. Yeah, so yeah, you go first, sir. Yeah, so basically, I am going to take one game tonight. I don't understand it really. I, it's not that I necessarily think they're going to win. I just can't understand why Carolina are underdogs on the road to Dallas under ten and zero against a three and seven team. Even if they do have Tony, are they Romo still underdogs? Did that line not yeah, change? No, I'm looking at it right now on um, Paddy Power. Um, if you scroll up there, <laughs> I don't know if that's working for you, Jerry. I can't see the screen. Ten of it. Um, Carolina Panthers plus one. Yes. Um, so I am taking them at plus one um, tonight. Um, and also I can go home and watch that game and have a mixed picks interest in it. I also don't understand why the Minnesota Vikings are underdogs on the road to the Falcons, who have been terrible for the last few weeks, uh, lost to Matt Hasselback and the Colts um, last week. So, two weeks um, before. Yeah, uh, two weeks before, uh, before the bye. Yeah. So I've got the Vikings on the road plus 1.5. Uh, the Falcons and I am despite their struggles lately they're still winning games I'm going to take the Pats three road underdogs plus three against Denver on Sunday night the Patriots are underdogs no 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 no. no. they are sorry they're favourites sorry I got that wrong yes the three point favourites on the road Um, but I'm taking them I think that uh, I, I, I think that this will be one of the games that they are very much up for um, and I'm taking two ten and O teams that don't really have big um, that uh, don't really have big spreads this week. So easy money, I presume, says the guy who's well under five hundred in his picks this, this season. Any uh, any thoughts on any of those, Danny? Uh, no, but I'll give you my picks. I'm going to take. Well, I do think the Patriots are going to win, uh, but I'm not. I'm not going to take them. I want to take. Uh, sorry, there's a bit of a situation where outside my workplace. Uh, the, I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're favored by four points at home to the Chargers, who have just cashed in and are looking at property in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a good uh, call. So I think that's pretty easy money. And there's, a, you know, Bortles. I think there's a decent chance they, they can win that division. So they've got a lot to play for. I also want to take um, Kansas City, who have just been kind of just laying 
killing bad teams at the moment, and they've got another pretty bad one who I can't remember. Buffalo Bills. Bad. Yeah, Buffalo. Tyrod is in trouble. Not that bad. Not minus six and a half. Minus six and a half. A I mean, they're, they're, you can't. They, their defense is solid, and they're just going to run over teams. So I'm going to give. You, I'm going to take KC on the march towards winning the AFC West, and I like. I don't know what the spread is, and I don't know where this game is played, but I do like Cleveland with Josh McCown back playing against the uh, Ravens. Baltimore, the horrible Baltimore Ravens as their bad karma tour. Yeah, minus continues. three at home, I think. Yeah. It's Monday night football, which is hilarious. Cleveland minus three. Yeah, Gar- Gary Barnage is going to go f- 25. Yeah, yeah he's going to blow up. He's been waiting for this, waiting to get Fancy McCown points. back. Yeah. So who's quarterback for the Ravens? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. Playing um, the... The other guy, one of those other guys, one of those <laughs> who's been who's been dropped. The Oakland Raiders dude from the last season. Oh, it's Matt Schaub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. there you go, minus oh, three. No. That's easy. That's money in the bank, my friend. Uh, okay, Cleveland, who have dropped Johnny. I'm yeah, take, rightly so. I'm taking the Cowboys minus one because they got to win, and Romo's back, and Romo's good. And, yeah. Um, so are Carolina. Carolina have a lot of injuries. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the blowout that you're suspecting it is I'm going to take the Packers oh, minus 8 that. against the Bears because um, I'm not going to take that screw that I'm going to take the Buccaneers plus 3 on the road at the Indianapolis Colts I like that one um, and I'm going to take the Houston Texans minus 3 against the New Orleans Saints because the Saints have blown it up and they don't give a shit anymore I've had the Bucks for the last 2 weeks don't know why I've gone off them I actually didn't see it there oh, I there like go. that pick too late, Mick. All right. Let's Danny, get you 3 0. Have I a good Thanksgiving, <coughs> but have a shit Sunday because I'm going to beat you by 25 points. I also ah. think the better of the weekend is the San Francisco 49ers not to cover the spread against the Arizona Cardinals. Because the Cardinals are very all. good. I, I would have if I'd remembered there. But yeah. All <laughs> yeah, right. Over under in that game is a good bet as well. Yeah. Well, the San Francisco 49ers might score three points, is the problem. So. Well, they, they put up some points against uh, Seattle, didn't they? Like 10, 15? No? Yeah, so, something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I picked them to beat the spread. They didn't. I was one and two. I haven't watched one. the lowlights on that one yet. Uh, yeah. All right, Donnie, great stuff. Thanks very much. Good to have you back. All right, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Tom Hanks giving. Right. <clears throat> Let's right. go and get this up before the football starts. Yeah. All right, good luck.